two Super Bowl tickets for $2,000 a piece. He was so excited. He went out and told all of his friends, and he was bragging, I got Super Bowl tickets for two. Oh, man, he was so excited. A while after that, he looked in his diary, his calendar, and he discovered that the Super Bowl was going to be on the day of his wedding. What's he going to do? He goes to Facebook, and he said to all my friends, if anyone wants to go in my place, it'll be Sunday at 5 at the First Baptist Church, and her name is Tiffany. (laughs) Now, you can only get away with that joke if you've been married probably 51 years. (laughs) I came... I came in earlier, and I walked down and took my regular seat over here from Brother Russell. My, later, my wife came in. She went the other direction. And I looked over and thought, what in the world? And then I remembered when we were newly married, I would tell the church, I said, you know, if my wife, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> and so you all need to know the honest truth about our 51 years of marriage She has left me I don't know how many times, (laughs) but every one of those times I'm persistent. I just went with her, and so here we are. Here we are 51 years later. uh, Still, I'm still in love myself, okay? (laughs) And I think that uh, be okay. She nodded. She gave me a nod. I'm in. (laughs) Wonderful. I want to begin today with a very familiar passage of Scripture. Most of you can quote it by heart. But let me me give you a word before I even quote that Scripture to you. The message today is, I'm not even sure it's one of those feel-good, jump-up-and-down, wave-a-hanky, inspiring-type sermons. I can't guarantee that. I'm going to lay down, God help me, I'm going to lay down a biblical principle today. And if we take biblical principles and we understand them and then we implement those biblical principles, then we get success and we get results when we do that. So it'll unfold. It may take a while, but you're going to see this biblical principle. So if you want to shout, that would be wonderful, but that's not necessary because what I want you to leave today with is, is an undergirding of the Word of God and the biblical principles that I want to share with you. The scripture is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. The apostle Paul said, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. And my God, personalize that, and my God. If he's not your God, then this is not written to you, but... But he is my God, and I believe today he's our God. My God shall, not maybe, not might, I hope so, oh. No, my God shall supply all my need, not once, all my need according to or out of his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to look back to verse 10 and 12, that's where it ties into where Pastor Corey's been preaching the last few weeks about contentment. Paul said in verse 10, I believe it is through verse 12, 
Now I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have revived your concern for me. He's writing to the people at Philippi, the church of Philippi. He said, you were indeed concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this out of need. And what that actually means when Paul says, I'm not saying this out of need. I'm not saying this just to get an offering. That's not what this is about. For I have learned to be content regardless of the circumstances. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation to being filled and yet at the same time being hungry. To having plenty and to having need. Being content doesn't necessarily alleviate any need that you may have presently or in the future. Learning to be content is to be satisfied or content with what you have until the need your God is going to supply is released to you. We are content until the need, because we all have needs and we're going to die with need because God designed us this way. In other words, God created need. Stay with me now. God created people who were needy or had needs in order so they could look to Him who is the source of all supply. If there is no need, there's no need for a source to supply the need. You could almost put it this way. You'd have to, that'll kind of trick your mind a little, but you'll get, what we really need is more need. If God is to supply all of our need, and He's the source of that supply, then if I get more need and have more need, then it seems like I get more from the source of that need, God. We need more need. So God wants to meet our need. In other words, Paul is saying, this is so tricky. Paul is saying in that verse, he said, he said, I I had a need or I needed something, but I really didn't. Because I found out where the source or the supply of that need is. So while I have a need, I really don't because I know that the need that I have is going to be supplied by the God who is the source of all needs. So he says, when you're without or when you're lacking, anybody lacking, anybody have a need today, anybody without today, well, you're really not if you're a believer because according to the Scripture, you have a God, my God, shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So if you, if you are in need today and you have a God, then you really are not in need because the need that you have, your God sees and will supply. Now, I told you you're going to have to think. And for some of us, some of us, I'll leave that alone. Somebody needs to hear this today. When you're in trouble, you're really not in trouble if you have a God. Did you hear that? If you're in trouble, you feel like it's over, you're washed up, it's finished, you're really not in trouble, you're really not washed out, and you're really not over, because my God is a a very present help in time of need. He's a very present help in time of need. 
You feel in trouble, you're not over. You have a God, and God is there for us. Look, it's, I, I believe it's very important today for us to understand that the need that we have should not shock us, that God has allowed us, if I can put it that way, God has allowed us sometimes to get in a position where we acknowledge that we need Him. If you go through life never acknowledging that you need God, then how can God, who meets needs, meet a need of somebody who won't acknowledge that they have a need? It's as simple as that. Uh, some people, sometimes they're shocked by their situation they find themselves in. They're praying about their situation. They're focusing <laughs> only on all their circumstances. And what happens, they, they get distracted by what's going on in their life, and, and they don't understand what or why, what they're going through. That's, that's easy to do in life, right? A lot of things come at us daily, whether it be our job, our family, or whatever. And we're, we're not sure, where is this going? What? what you, sometimes you have a need and you don't even know what the need is or how to explain the need. But God, who sees and knows every heart, He knows what we're going through. And all He simply wants us to do is be willing to acknowledge that we have a need. Now, let me... Let me I have a need. In that bag right over here, you can reach down in that bag... There ought to be a bottle of water. I told you I have a need, and my God is going to supply my need through this sweet little lady. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you so much. Thank you. That wasn't a, that wasn't a planned illustration, I promise you. That was an actual real need. In 1982... In Harlingen, Texas, I was a pastor of the First Baptist Church outside of Harlingen in a little town called Combs. The city had about 700 people. The church grew from 70 to about 350, and we moved to Harlingen and planted a brand new church. It was called Christian Fellowship Church. It was the first Christian Fellowship Church that we started. Since that time, there have been others. But the first service we had was in a little, a little bakery on Tyler Street behind the Catholic Church, and it would only hold about 40 people in this bakery. And so when I announced that I was going to pioneer and start a new church, uh, and I announced that Wednesday night we would meet, about 60 people showed up, and it only helped 40. And so what I did, I said, look, I'll find a place. We have a need. I'll find a place between now and Sunday. If you'll put your name and your phone number down, We'll contact you. Now, at that time in 1982, knowing that there were 60 people out, hanging outside this building or people hanging outside this building, I needed a building, right? I need a place to meet between Wednesday and Sunday. What I didn't need, listen to me now carefully, what I did not need at that time was the building we are presently in. Because the building that we built since then, holds 1,500 people. When we were running 60, I didn't need a 1,500-seat auditorium. It would have been a burden, not a blessing. But I did need a building. And therefore, I voiced, and God saw, I voiced to God, God, we have a need. We have a present need. And the trigger, listen to this, the trigger point to our supply 
is our present need. Now, you may, have, you may have big dreams about something way out there, but you have to live in the present while you're dreaming maybe about the future or believing about the future. And remember, the trigger point is always our present need. And I didn't need a 1,500-seat auditorium. I needed a building. And God, I need a building that'll seat about 100 or 150 people. Now, between Wednesday night and Sunday, I had a building. It would seat 125 people. It was going to take care of our need. But on Sunday... From Wednesday, 120 people showed up. So now I have a, still have a need, right? But we're taking this one step at a time. Now I go back to God and say, God, I have a need. At that time, I still needed a bigger building, but I didn't need a 1,500-seat auditorium. And then God slowly moved us to a 500-seat auditorium. When we filled that 500-seat auditorium up, then we had another need to build a 1,500-seat auditorium. I hope you get the point of what I'm trying to say. There's a trigger point to your need, and God supplies according to our need, not according to what we don't need. Even in his goodness, he doesn't give us things that'll be a burden to us, but he gives us things that'll be a blessing to us. Are you still with me? And could I ask, is there anybody, could there just be anybody here in this building today that has any kind of need? Well, there's hope for you then. For those who don't have any need, hey, wonderful. But you will have, I promise you. Because God designed you to have need. And what I want to say to you today, the God who designed you to have need is the same God who is the source of supply for all your need. And when you are in need and you acknowledge that you have a need, then God will hear as he sees the need of your heart and he'll be the source of that supply. That's wonderful about God. I don't, I don't know if you've thought about that way, but that, that is wonderful. Have you, have, have you, ever, have you ever wondered... Or ask yourself, why, why, does, why does God hate a proud look? You, I'll, I'll quote you the scripture. It's in Proverbs 6. You remember those six things God hates? It says God hates, uh, he hates murder, hands that shed innocent blood. He, uh, there's so many things that God hates. He hates lying. He hates cheating. He hates backbiting. He hates sowing discord among the brothers. And in that list of murder and sowing discord and backbiting, and lying, it says that God hates pride. But not only does he hate, listen to this, not only does God hate pride, God hates a proud look. And a proud look is a look that where you're seated and your legs are crossed and uh, you're acting real important, self-sufficient, you have need of nothing. So one of the main reasons, stay with me now, one of the main reasons that God hates pride that God hates a proud look is because a proud look will never admit that they have a need. When you're proud, self-sufficient, I can fix my problems, I can get out of this dilemma, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, I don't need anybody, I can get through this, then what happens then, you're a proud person and God cannot meet the need of a person who's proud. God can only meet the need of people who say, I have a need. And in the book of Revelations, there was a church that was proud and said, we're, we're, we're rich and we have need of nothing. Oh, that's not me. I hope, it, I hope it's not you. God responds to need. And if God responds only to need and you don't need anything, then obviously what? You, you, you can't receive anything from the Lord. 
Here's where I lay down another principle. Now, this you got to get this because this is a biblical principle that you're going to work from for days in the future. It, 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 uh, it, it really, it's really all the way back in the beginning in the book of Genesis. Let's start there. Remember, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, good place to start. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, empty, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God, who God then stepped out on nothing. Think about it. There was nothing to step out on. He hadn't created anything. God stepped out on nothing. And he stood on nothing. And he began to speak to that which was not. There was nothing there. He created the earth. He formed it. And that form created a void or a capacity. So, here we go. Watch this. I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really laying the foundation for us to get. We've got to get that we have nothing to offer God except capacity. Capacity. In the beginning, God created. First of all, He formed. When you put your hands together, here, these hands will hold nothing. So God formed the world, and here's the way you create capacity. You form, there's a form. Now you got form, right? And inside that form, you could pour water right now. It would no longer be empty, and the form would allow me to have capacity to receive. What I'm saying is you've got to be a capacity. You've got to be a vessel. You've got to be a vessel that, that can hold what God wants to give you. You have to present God a life that is ready, willing, and able to be filled. God wants to fill us, not only just with our provision and our need, God wants to fill us to overflowing with His presence and His, His provision. God, He sees us and He created us with need so that He could be involved in our life and He could, he could meet our need. Everything God forms, He fills. Think about it. Look throughout the Scripture. He formed the tabernacle in the Old Testament, then he filled it with furniture. There was no need for furniture till he formed the tabernacle. Then he took the Holy of Holies and he filled it with glory. And until that was created, there was no need for him to fill the Holy of Holies. And then he, then he, then he, formed, he formed man. There was, which came first? Uh, man or the breath? No, the breath came first. But that breath wasn't going to do any good to an unformed man. So God formed a man, a woman. And then and when he formed them, he breathed into them. He filled that capacity of their being with his presence. Now, this is, I'm fully aware that this is kind of teaching. And as I, I, I put a disclaimer out there first... Here's what God wants for you and me today. <coughs> he wants us to make ourselves available. I was pastoring a little Baptist church. I love God. I was a Christian. I was on my way to heaven. But I was empty. I had run out of me. And I needed not more of God's presence, because I had his presence, but I needed a release of power, of divine energy. 
to help me get through what I was facing and to accomplish what God had called me to accomplish. And that is true in every person in this room today or will be true at some point in your life. You're going to run out of you and you're going to feel empty and you're going to feel void. It'll feel like there's nothing there. In fact, sometimes... If you know what I'm talking about, there'll be times when you don't feel anything, and that's what's scary, when I feel nothing. I know how to feel depressed. I know how to feel discouraged. I know how to feel with, to be filled with hope. But when I don't have any kind of feeling at all, that's scary. Where is God when it's dark? Where is God when I'm empty and I feel nothing? God has gone nowhere. What he's waiting for possibly is for you who've been looking down to lift up your head and look up and say, God, you see me in the condition I am. I'm in. I need you. And that's all God needs. See, to be saved, we don't have to pray a long, long sinner's formula prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. Take me to heaven. That's not necessary. I'm just telling you, that ain't necessary. You say, well, we, we, I said it ain't necessary. <laughs> well, I mean, but isn't God impressed when we give him a little lie? I need to repent of all my sin, and I need you to come into my heart, and I need you to take it. No, 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 no. If you want to pray that, fine. It'll work, too. But sometimes, help! Help! That'll work, too. Because God knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And when you see somebody lift their head and say, help God, I need help. God will rush in to supply your need at that moment of whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing. God will be there to meet that need at that moment in your life. I've worked it time and time again, and I'm telling you, it still works after 50 years. We have a good God. The problem I see today is we're not making any demand on the supply. We got supply and demand, and God's waiting for us to put demand on his supply, and we're not really putting a big demand on his supply. Now, I, I say this, and everybody hear me kindly. For 20 years, I've been coming to Paris, and we were down the road in that building. We were there for 20 years. We didn't need this building. We didn't need this. I mean, we had plenty of supply at that other building as far as capacity, Right? No, we ain't blaming. We're, no, we're not going there. We're just simply saying we sit there for at least I did for twenty years with my friend and many of you. We sat there and there was plenty of capacity and plenty of supply, but no demand was being made on that supply until. But God was, this is this, God was at work all along. Here's here's what you may not say. It's. Let me present it like this. It's possible that the timing wasn't right. It's possible that in this room and those that are not in this room yet, God was forming something in you. Got it? All those 20 past years, no waste of time, God was at work. And look, God does more behind our back than he does in front of our face. God was working, 
And he was forming in Paris. He was forming you, and he was forming you, and he was forming you, and he was forming you. And, 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 and there was a void in you, and God said, I want to fill the void that's in you. I'm forming you so that I can fill a void in you, and a supply can come your way. And so God was working in you and me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then at the right time, God says, I think I'm going to supply I think I'll add to that supply a guy by the name of Corey and his wife, Melissa. He was working here. You got, I don't even know if you see this. I see it plainly. He was working here, working in people, forming, creating capacity, ready to meet that void or that need. And then he supplies that which is going to bring it all together. I'm not... I'm not touting or building. I'm just simply saying that all, everything works together for good. God was working in you, both the will of his do good, good pleasure. He was working in them, and God brings it all together. Here we are today, and we're fixing to go to two services because we're going to make a demand. We're going to make a demand on his supply because we want to reach more people for the kingdom of God. We want our family, we want our friends to come to know the Lord, and so therefore we're going to create more Allow God to form us and to create more capacity so that we can reach more people. Sometimes we try to get away from what God wants to, to form in us and do. And, and so, as I quickly rush in, let me give you one quick example of God in the Old, in the Old Testament give, demonstrating He is the source. He's the source of our supply. Remember the children of Israel in Egyptian bondage. Moses goes down. He declares, we're going out. Pharaoh says, no, you're not. You know all the plagues. Everything happened. Finally, they came out. Thank God we're getting away from the Egyptians. We're home free. Everything's smooth sailing from here. And some of you are thinking, man, I'm right there now. It's smooth sailing here. Just wait a minute. I don't want to bust your balloon or anything. I don't want to bust your balloon. But some of you are going to face a Red Sea. And here you are. You're running from the enemy. You're getting away from Pharaoh. Thank God we're going to be free. And you are free, and you are going to be free. But just because you're free doesn't mean you're free from, from challenges, from new obstacles, from, from things that stand in your way. And they come out following Moses, believing one man's word. He's going to bring us out, he said. They weren't overly connected to God at that time, but they were connected to Moses. They did believe him. They got to the Red Sea, and now the great fearless leader said, Oh, God, what, what do we do? Even Moses said, God, what, God, what are we going to do? Leaders, by the way, sometimes say, Oh, God, what are we going to do? Right? Well, what do we do? Oh, we may not tell you. Oh, we say that, but we say it. What are we going to do? And God is faithful to us the same way he's faithful to you. Moses said, God, what are we going to do? And God, I, God there's, Pharaoh's behind us, and he's closing in. And God, look at these mountains and this river's in front of us. And then here's what God, the source of supply, said. He just spoke to Moses and said, look, be still. Now, I don't know, I don't like that word. In fact, I don't like be still, stand still, stay still. I don't like the word still in any form, however you want to word it. I was created to move, to, to, to create, to make things happen. Anybody like, yeah, Robbie, I see your hand. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, there's people that are wired like that. And then God comes along to me, and he says, Ron, stand still. Moses, stand still. 
Because if you, and only when you are still, are you going to see the salvation of the Lord. See, sometimes the reason we can't see what we want to see is because we're too busy trying to fix what we see that we don't want to see. Did you get that? I hope I can't say it again that way. (laughs) I can't see because I'm too involved. I'm too overwhelmed. I can't see. Stand still. Be still. And see. And when Moses stood still, and then he obeyed, and he did what God said, he lifted his rod, the staff, that which he relied on in all of his sheep herding days. He's saying, God, I'm empty. I'm giving you everything I've relied on to get me this far. And he held it up to God. I'm giving you everything I've got. Then the Red Sea parted. Moses had to acknowledge that he had a need. Even the great leader Moses, God, I need not only to deliver these people, I need to be delivered. We need to be delivered. And then that is the example of the source of God being our supply. So I'm telling you, whatever your need is today, and, and I, don't, I don't disavow, there are needs in this place. There are needs I'm not even aware of. There are big needs in this place. But what I want to say to you today if, if your need is as big as a Red Sea and mountains on both sides, then I want to tell you what, be relieved because if God could open the Red Sea and take them through, God can bring you through and out of whatever you're facing, whatever you're experiencing today. But you may need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? The way I know when to quit is when I get hungry. And if you, if, you, if you take a good look at me, you know that I'm hungry quite a bit of the time. And so I'm going to be hungry in about 15 more minutes or so. So I'm just kind of letting you all know, if you're, if you're getting edgy yourself and a, and a trite peckish, then uh, that's for all my English friends, then, then, then we're, we're going to wrap it up. But, but I, want, I want to drive home this thing one more time, okay? How God does it. First Kings, you don't, you don't need to go there necessarily. First Kings chapter 17. In first, let me tell you the story. First Kings 17, there is a, there is a, a, a jihaw. You, you understand, Brother Russell, you understand jihaw? There, there's, some, there's, some, there's some things going on between God and Elijah and Ahab. And so God tells Elijah, at your word, if you speak what I say, Elijah, at your word, there's not going to be rain until I say so again. So what Elijah does, he stands up in front of Ahab the king and he says, at the word of the Lord, it's not going to rain until I say so again. Long story short, it didn't rain until he said so again. And famine entered the land. God told Elijah when the famine came, I want you to go to the brook Cherith. It's a little brook down here. Fresh water runs through it. I'm going to provide for you there. And that startup company, uh, Raven Delivery, that startup company will, will come and that raven will meet your need every day and you'll drink from the brook. So Elijah made the declaration. Famine came to the land. It did not rain. Uh, Elijah went down to the brook. And there God provided for him. After a season of time, then God said to Elijah, he said, look, 
Uh, I, I know the brook is drying up, and I promised to meet your need. So since the brook is drying up and you need, you still have a need, I'm going to send you, stay with me, I'm going to send you to this little widow woman. And uh, this little widow woman, she's going to take care of your needs. We're still talking about needs and contentment, okay? We still have needs, and God said he'll meet your needs. Here the man of God was provided for at the brook, and then the brook dried up, but he still had a need of provision, and God sent him to the widow's house. The little widow woman had a son. She was gathering, uh, she was gathering up a few sticks to make a fire to, to use the last little bit of meal that she had and the last little oil out of the crew that she had. She said, we're going to eat one more time, and then we're going to die. That's how bad it was. Some of you think it's over today, too. You think it's finished today, too. Well, it's not. Watch this. God said to Elijah, I'm going to send you to this lady to meet your need. And by the way, she's broke. You're going to send me. I have this need, God. And you're going to send me to a lady who, who's broke. And she has needs bigger than my need. You're going to send this need to somebody who has a need who can't meet either one of our needs. Oh, but we got this God back here, remember? This my God? We hadn't tapped into him yet. Just do what I say. And Elijah went down to this lady's house. God says, I'm going to send you down there, and I'm going to show you how to see glory while she sees agony. Uh... The brook is dry, but that's not a problem. Uh, there's a famine in the land, but that's not even a problem. God says, I'm going to bring you to somebody who you need and who needs you. That, that is a key right there. I'm going to bring you to somebody. God has divine appointments. I'm telling you, he does. I'm going to bring you to somebody who has a need to meet your need who need you. They need you. Listen, they need you and you need them. Don't ever think that I don't need anybody. No, I need Greg Smith. I need you. You say, you don't even know me. How can you need me? I need you to be here in this place. As an overseer, I want you to be here in this place receiving from the Lord what will change this community because I care about this community and I want you to be changed so that this community can be changed. God brings a need to a need. Let, let me give you a sidebar. In, 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 in country preacher terms, here's what a sidebar is. It's called a rabbit trail. <laughs> it's a rabbit trail. I'm going to take you on a quick, quick rabbit trail. And here's the question to you. Is it possible that you've been trying to feed or help folks who don't acknowledge that they have a need. Parents, think about children. Have you ever tried to help and you really want to help because you can help? You want to help your family. You want to help your friends. But they won't acknowledge that they got a need. How do you help somebody that won't acknowledge they have a need? Because God says, I only supply for those who have a need. I don't know about you. I've done that in ministry as a pastor. I wanted to help people so bad that I would pour myself 
And we would pour church resources into people who never even acknowledge that they have a need. And a lot of parents do that with their children. They're called enablers. I want them to love me so bad that I'm going to meet their need even when they won't acknowledge that they have one. I want them to hear me so bad that I'm going to, I'm going to meet their need that they won't acknowledge that they have. And we think we're doing them a favor and really we're working against God. Because God can't meet their need as long as you keep meeting their need. And you're not what they need. They need God. And I want to tell you, listen to me, no condemnation. That's tough to hear. That is tough to hear when you have children that you love. When you have friends that are so dear to you. That's tough to hear. And I'm telling you, equally, it's tough to do. It's called tough love, and it's hard to do. And yet, the people we want to help really don't get help until they acknowledge they need God. I have a sermon. I haven't preached it here, not in years. It's called Seven Kinds of People You Can't Help. When I announce I'm going to preach seven kinds of people you can't help, I pre-announce that, the place is filled because everybody wants to see if they're one of those people. Well, I can tell you, according to this text, if you acknowledge you have a need, then God says, I can meet your need and I can help you. And that's the key, really, to, to, to most of the Christian life, if not all the Christian life, is we need God and we have to acknowledge to God. We have to cry out to God. And all throughout the Scripture, David cried out to God. Men of God cried out to God. People cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, God heard them, seen their need, and he met their need. One more thing I want to point out. A lot of people don't have their need met because they have a wrong perception. You, can't, you don't perceive what you have and what you don't have. So and if, you, if you don't have a good perception of your need or your lack, then that will throw you off too. Uh, I don't have anything, God. Why don't you just dump heaven Dump everything in heaven out on me, everything. Just dump it all out on me right now, God. God doesn't work that day. He didn't say needs. He said singular need, present need. Here's what, here's, here's what I'm convinced would happen. Maybe not for you, but I know me. If God were to operate like that, where you just said God poured all out on me, then I would never go back to God because I got everything I need. He dumped it all on me at once. And here, look, here's what, and here's something, here's, here's what we tend to be. We're hoarders. I said, we're hoarders. Well, God, I, I, I can't, I can't give it, I can't give it, Lord, I can't give to anybody. This is all I got. I, we got to make this last us through retirement all the way till we draw our last breath. God, I can't do anything. That, and so that's your perception of what you have. You don't have much, so you're a hoarder. You just keep hoarding and sticking back, believing that that little that you stick back, ever how many millions it may be or hundreds or whatever, you think that's your source? It can go just like that. One hospital visit. I'm, I, not long ago, I pulled up at one of these at a red light, and there was a homeless man with a sign. You've seen him? And it was one of those long red lights, and he's holding a sign. I had whatever his need was. He, and I, I heard the Lord, not his voice, but I heard a prompting. You know what I mean? Where you, 
want you to do something. You need to give him something. And immediately I kicked into reasoning. <laughs> Wasn't that I didn't have anything to give him, but I kicked into reasoning. I said, you know what? He's got, he, I bet you two blocks from here he's got a Mercedes parked behind some building. <laughs> and then when that didn't work, like God said, so what? <laughs> then when that didn't work, I, I thought, he's just going to buy drugs and alcohol with it. Why do I want to support his habit? And then I heard that same voice, intuition, spirit, in there say, say, this is, uh, this is not about you and him. This is about you and me. I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> this, this has, and I interpret, this has nothing to do with his need. This has to do with your need. Well, Lord, what's my need? To hear my voice. Do whatever I tell you, when I tell you to do it, and be generous. Now, I didn't tell you that to tell you that I meet every person with a sign and give them money. You notice what he said? Hear my voice. I don't hear that every time I see somebody like that. You won't either. But when you hear it, it's not about them, it's about you. When you hear it, I need to wrap this up. I growled. <laughs> the Lord said to that woman, I'm going to take care of you. And you remember the man of God said, just, just go ahead and fix me a cake. Fix me a cake. But it wasn't again when she fixed him a cake did she think, if I fix the man of God a cake, that's going to be a great payoff. And what Elijah said to her, he said, there will never ever in this house, I'm reading this in, there will never ever be in this house a need for 50 barrels of meal. There will never, ever in this house be a need for ten cruises of oil. All you're going to have the rest of your life, when it rains and you still don't have anything because you're a widow woman, I'm going to, I'm going to create as if it's dry, and I'm going to always meet your need as if it is today, today, now. You don't need 50 barrels of, oil, uh, of, of meal. You don't need 10 cruises of oil. The rest of your life, you're going to have one barrel and one cruise. You won't have an extra supply, some that you've stuck back or hoarded. But what's in this one barrel and this one cruise of oil, whenever you go to it in need, there'll always be supply. No, you can't hoard it. You can't hoard it. But I'll supply it every time you come here and acknowledge that you have a need. So it works. If you're proud, you need to get off your high horse and just acknowledge, I need God. You may be here today and you're not a Christian. I'm telling you, the way you become a Christian is not crying and you may cry, not kneeling in an altar and you may kneel in an altar. 
The way you become a Christian is you just simply look up and say, God, I need you. I need you. He, he knows what you need before you even ask him what you need. He knew what you needed before you even know what you need. He's just waiting for somebody to lift their head, to reach out a hand to say, Lord, I, I, I need you. And that's when the supply comes, when we acknowledge that we need him. Hey, Jojo, you want to help me? You want to help me? Come here. I'll give you an illustration of closing. Come on up here. Come on, man. I'm not going to... You have a need? You have a need? Yes, the answer is yes. I have a need. <laughs> Come on, work with me, man. I, we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't rehearse this. I'm having to tell her what she's supposed to say. So you get the point. You have a need. See that? She's nodding her head. I have a need. You can kind of look up at her. I have a need. Now, let me, let me show you something. I'm not God. She represents us. And I'm not God, but I'm going to represent God. And so we're going to see this, see how this works. I'm not going to give her all this. Because she'd turn and walk back down and sit by her mother if I did. <laughs> Maybe. But if she held out her hand and looked up and kind of held out her hand. <laughs> now you can put your hands back in. Now look at me. That worked pretty good. Now, now, once you see that works, that you look up and you acknowledge you have a need and you put your hand back out to God, well, see what happens then. How big is your need? Big? Big. <laughs> so I have, to, I have to go to a different department. That's a big need, Okay. Folks, I don't know how to make it any simpler with God. I have a relationship with Him. I live in grace. I don't deserve anything I have. I'm content with what I have if God never gives me another thing, another dime or anything. It doesn't matter. Really don't care if you buy the book today. It's already a loss. <laughs> it's no, it doesn't matter. But I'm, I'm happy in Jesus today. I have eternal life. My sins are forgiven. And I have a God who sees where I am. And he said he would meet my need according to and out of his riches. Out of his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And what he's going to do for me, he'll do for you and he'll do for every one of his children. We just simply have to acknowledge, God, I have a need. Be patient. Wait on God to meet your need. Don't get antsy. God knows where you are. He knows what you have need of. You don't have to be a beggar, just a person in need. Let's pray together. Father, I, I do thank you for the opportunity today to, to lift up your name and to acknowledge before these people how great you really are and what a wonderful provider you really are. You're so good to us. Lord, no doubt in this room there are people who 
maybe on their last meal, they may be down to empty. But you're full. And with your fullness, you can meet our emptiness if we acknowledge you. Lord, I'm going to ask you that you would meet every need of every person in this room right now who before this day is over will lift their head and stick out their hand to you and say, God, I need you. And then let them be still and patiently wait on you to provide. I thank you that you're going to do that, Father. You're so good. We, we love you. And we're going to serve you all the days of our life. And we're going to be content all the days of our life because of who you are. Thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful spiritual family that you've given us here. Meet the needs of those in Paris who do not know they have a need today. They have a lack of perception of what they do have, maybe. I pray that you'd come along and open our eyes. Let us see. In Jesus' name, amen. Get through? God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week.